Hello, welcome back to the Matt Pfeiffer Experience. I am your host, Matthew Pfeiffer, and today I have on a very special guest, Raymond Heckmat, out of Beverly Hills, California. He is a mediating divorce attorney and someone who talks a lot about prenups, and you can find him on all social media platforms at The Prenup Guy. I'm looking forward to having this conversation with you because it can be kind of confusing on whether or not you should litigate, whether or not you should mediate. There's a lot of different uh, different terminologies out there. And, and, and with divorce, divorce court, there's always something new that's popping up. We have prenups that are, that are becoming a, a, a serious topic of conversation that a lot of people talk about. If you've been following me for a while, you guys know that I'm a big, big advocate for prenups. And I think that everyone should have one. Uh, in, in my opinion, I think they should borderline be mandatory um, because you just never know. And I always tell people that Every single marriage always ends in either death or divorce. I mean, even the best of uh, best of marriages end, uh, end in death. And I think that it's best to just have everything laid out, everything prepared. But with all that being said, I'm going to turn it back over to our expert. Let me introduce to you our guest and let him tell you all of his opinions on, on all of these things. So, Raymond, thank you very much. Welcome to the show. Uh, I'm going to kick it over to you. Tell us a little bit about yourself and how you got started. Well, thanks for having me on. I appreciate it. Uh, so I started my legal career about 15 years ago, uh, when I started working in family law, I, I went into family law because I believe that what we do in our careers, we should impact people on a personal level. And it was really important to me to get into that work. Um, and I started working for other law firms in the litigation sector of family law, going to court, fighting divorces, uh, filing every motion under the sun. And when I was working for other people, I saw the work that we were doing, but I also saw the negative effects of what we were doing where there were no winners and, and there wasn't appreciation from your clients because they either got stuck with a huge legal bill or they were left going to court and having a random stranger, a judge decide what their lives were going to look like. So um, since then, about six, seven years ago, my practice has shifted over to mainly divorce consulting, mediation, and prenuptial agreements. Um, and it's more of a peaceful world of family law where we're, I'm really focused on helping clients get on with their lives or enter into marriages successfully. Uh, and it's it's been a great change and I've never looked back. It sounds like it's it's a lot more peaceful, not only for for you, but also for the clients. Um, what does it what does it look like behind the scenes? Do do those type of like when you're when you're doing some sort of mediation, does it does it ever escalate between the two? I mean, obviously, they weren't getting along before they before they came there. Um, do they typically sure. kind of know that they need to meet in the middle and or how, do, how does that work? Yeah, so it, it's it's really in two parts. So on the divorce consulting side. What I do is I'm a consultant for my clients while they're going through mediation. And the thing is, when you're going through a mediation, a family law mediation, a mediator is an impartial third party. They don't have any standing to give you any kind of legal advice throughout the process. They're there as a middleman to facilitate conversation, tell you what the issues are, and lead you in the right direction as to what the agreements you need to come up with are. But because you can't get that legal advice, a lot of people enter mediations in the dark. And what happens is that they go into those mediations not knowing the law, not knowing the rules, and they 
go in with extravagant demands or they don't really know how to respond to their partner's demands. And so as a legal consultant, I'm an advisor. We sit down and we talk about what are your obligations? What are your partner's obligations? What are the things you're entitled to? What are the things you're not entitled to? Which is almost just as important. And so when you go into the mediation, you have that ammunition of the law and the knowledge of the law and what it is that you should be asking for, what you shouldn't be asking for, and really having a general idea of what your divorce should fairly look like under the law and what maybe even if you had a prenup, what that would look like. Uh, so on the divorce consulting side, my job is to really advise my clients, help them go through that mediation process, explore strategies of settlement, and really look at what their options might be. As a mediator, yes, a lot of people come in and they've had contentious divorces or they've had contentious relationships, but they're trying to work things out for the betterment of their family. They may have children. And what I tell my mediation clients from day one, if they have children, just because your relationship didn't work out, that doesn't mean you can't have a successful divorce either. And at the end of the right. day, if you have children together, your relationship might have ended in a romantic relationship, but you're going to be parents of these children forever. You're going to be in each other's lives forever. That is never going to end. So the sooner that the two of you realize that and are able to communicate clearly with one another and to work together at least for your children and set that example for your children, you're really going to set a great precedent and an example for your children moving forward. Um, and and look, there are differences of opinion of how divorces may work or what people may feel like they're entitled to. Um, but when you enter into a mediation, you're really given the the freedom to explore creative solutions to your problems. You're not stuck in the black and white of the law. So there are certain issues that can be massaged and negotiated and strategies that can be put into place in order to help everyone get what they really need out of the mediation and what they will need to move forward in their lives successfully. You, this is the first time I've ever heard someone use the word success and divorce in the <laughs> same sentence. Um, and so uh, I, uh, so I want to ask you uh, a bit about that, you know, because sure. I think that, you know, the, the perception is that anytime you have a failed relationship, you, you have a divorce, that it's unsuccessful. You know, so when you when you say successful divorce, what does a successful divorce look like? So I think that a successful divorce, first off, I mean, we live in a world where 50% of our relationships are ending in divorce. And that's, unfortunately, that's the norm, but, but it is what it is, you know? And at the end of the day, certain relationships are not going to work out over time. People change over time. Certain things happen over time. Circumstances change over time. And, and that's just a part of our lives. That's just part of life. So when you're entering into the divorce, as hard as it may be, it's not the end of your life. There is a continuation of your life post-divorce with new relationships, new careers, and new titles that you take on post-divorce that need to be embraced and recognized. And a lot of times for my clients, what I explain to them is that this is not the end. 
And we just need yeah. to set you up for success moving forward. And again, I think the successful divorce just means that you're not battling it out in a courtroom, collateral damage all over the place, impacting your children, your family, your parents, uh, being forced to sell your home and give away all your money to attorneys. That is not success. Success is coming to an agreement and an understanding of how we're going to move forward and lead successful lives as parents as well as individuals. And and it's vital, I believe, for couples to focus on how to have that successful divorce, uh, even though their marriage wasn't. Yeah. Uh, can you talk a little bit about like what you've seen, like in the, whether it's in the courtroom or kind of afterwards, the aftermath of uh, families that you've worked with that you litigated versus the one that you consulted or mediated? Sure. I mean, what happens is when people go through court and litigate their divorces, there's a lot of animosity that's created. There's a lot of resentment that's created. Um, and it's hard to come back from that. You know, there's, you're, you're digging yourself into a hole that you're going to have to work towards getting climbing out of. And when you're litigating, yeah. all of that bad energy is being created within your family. And mm -hmm. moving forward is just going to be a lot harder. You're going to have to do a lot more therapy and a lot more work on yourself to kind of get past all of that. Whereas in mediation, when people are successful in mediation, they have control of their lives. And that's mm -hmm. a big part of it. Because when you litigate and you go to court, you no longer have control. I have seen crazy things happen in court where judges make decisions and both sides are like, what the hell was that? We've never seen that before. But that's what you're doing when you go to court. You're giving up your life to the decision. And as my old boss says, a total stranger in a black muumuu. Somebody yeah. that doesn't know you, doesn't know your family, and is going to be making decisions about the rest of your life. Yeah. But when we're in mediation, you have control over it. You're able to discuss and really strategize on how your the rest of your life should look like and come up with those creative solutions. And I feel like when you have that control and you know you're making your decisions in a certain way, then you're able to move on post-divorce with those decisions that you've made, not the decisions that somebody else has placed upon you. Yeah. I'm sure some people are listening to this and they're asking themselves where they thought to themselves that maybe they want to go the mediation or the consulting route and they just don't feel like their partner is well suited for it because it's just been yeah. so highly contentious. There is a lot of, there's already a lot of resentment built up, whether that's because the other person doesn't want, want the divorce, whether that's because there was infidelity. Um, has there, has there been a situation where you could, you know, you could see that or have you advised anyone like, hey, this isn't going to go the consult consulting route. This is just way too contentious. Yeah. You, know, you have unreasonable expectations of this person. Is there, is there a time that that might happen? Unfortunately, yeah. So mediation only works when you have cooperative parties that are willing to put in the work to come to those agreements. And unfortunately, there are certain situations that mediation may not be right for you. If somebody is extremely contentious, they have outrageous demands, 
there's been domestic violence and you just can't even look at the other person or you can't be in the same room as the other person. These are all instances where attorneys do probably need to get involved. That doesn't mean you're litigating. It might be that you just need a third party to help the two of you work together without actually speaking to one another. And so there are there are cases where mediation may not be right. That being said, I would say about 80% of divorces do get resolved through settlement. They don't have to go yeah. to court for trial. They may need to go to court for temporary orders or temporary issues to kind of put somebody in their place, right? If somebody's making outrageous outrageous demands and they go to court and a judge tells them you're being outrageous, I'm not going to allow this, I'm making these orders, they kind of get the idea of okay, maybe I need to take a step back and and that can lead into settlement moving forward. And so what I tell my clients is look, you can try mediation. It's always a good first stop and see where that goes and see if you're able to work those issues out and able to have those communications. But if you see that it's not going somewhere and somebody's making outrageous demands or they're litigating on the side, they're not being totally uh, honest with you and honest yeah. with the mediator, it may not be that situation and then you have to lawyer up. When you say that they're not being totally honest with the litigator, do you mean like um, they're saying one thing during mediation, saying one thing during the consultation and then acting a different way, like outside still being controlling and demanding. Is that what you mean? Or what, so other, what other type of behavior? Should that's part, that's part of it. That's part of it. There are certain situations where, for example, you're going in through the mediation, the mediator is talking about certain examples of how to resolve a certain issue. Right. Yeah. But then, and during the mediation, both parties will say, yeah, that sounds good. I'll explore that. I'll think about it. And then the next time they come in, this, well, my lawyer said that I am entitled to this, this, and this, and I need to get that, and I'm not going to do anything except this. Well, that's not what mediation is. Now you're taking the law and you're litigating in mediation. That's not how this works. A mediator is not a judge. A mediator is not going to say, oh, you're right. Yeah, that's what we're going to go with. That's not the point. The point is listening to both sides and coming to a solution. Um or there may be times where I've had clients that are in mediation and they're working on custody issues, but then without them even knowing, the partner has locked them out of the house. And it's like, well, it's taking these steps, these adversarial steps that go against what we're trying to achieve in mediation that really derail the process. And that's when you just can't trust someone that is going to be locking you out of your home or not abiding by certain informal informal agreements we may have or just refusing to listen to the other side and consider what they're going through to to bring that into the agreement in some way yeah. when there's just pure refusal of an understanding of what the other side is going through and what the other side needs that's when you're really mediation is not going to work. And a lot of times we have that issue with narcissistic spouses that really focus only on their own needs and their own intentions and can't really register what's going on on the other side. Yeah. Uh, I want to talk about uh, something that every time I, I'm sure you do too, but every time I bring it up on and on social media, 
there there's uh bound to be all sorts of you know, um, a lot of different opposing views in the comment section. And, you know, it just uh, tends to stir a lot of people up anytime you bring up the word prenup. Mm. Um, and I think that both of us, both of us, when we were talking before, before we hit record, uh, talked about the importance of prenups. And I think there's also a lot of misconceptions when it comes, comes to prenups. Sure. Um, but one of the reasons why I'm such a huge advocate for prenups is because uh, at the very least, at the very, very least, it forces both people to talk about some very important things before you before they get married. Uh, mm-hmm. and, and, you know, it's a lot of conversation that a lot of times people are avoiding because sometimes internally they kind of know that it's kind of a hot button, uh, how they're going to handle money, what things would look like uh, w- with kids, you know, who's responsible for what with uh, with whether it's, whether it's the finances or um, assets that they're bringing into the marriage, um, businesses, all of, all of those sorts of things. And, uh, unfortunately some people just, they just kind of know that if I bring this up, that it might be the end of the relationship and they would just rather not bring it up. And then they find out the hard way that they probably should have brought it up, um, later on. But, um, I'm going to toss it over to you. Tell us, you know, your kind of view overview of, of prenups. (laughs) Are you, uh, pro prenup? Are you? Do you think that it, they should basically be mandatory? Do you advocate that people should have them no matter what? Or, or what's your stance on that? So there's a lot to unravel here. So the first thing is that I tell my clients that are getting married. The first thing, the first thing is that when you get married, there are laws that are put in place for you anyway. So whether or not you want a prenup. It's not really a choice. You're going to have a prenup. It's called your state's law. So that's a good point. First thing is that there are laws governing your marriage and your finances if you get married. And the first thing you should be doing is learning about those laws and learning. If I get married, what's going to happen to my house? What's going to happen to my business? What's going to happen to my income? What if I buy this during marriage? What if I buy it before marriage? You have to learn what your state's laws about community property or equitable distribution property would, depending on what state you're living in, learn about your state's laws before you get married. That's the first stop. Now, after that, that's a discussion you should be having with your spouse or your fiance is, look, these are the laws of our state. If we get married, this is what's going to happen. And that's what I tell my clients is, I don't think everyone needs a prenup, but everyone should talk about one. And what that means is talk about what your state's laws are. Talk about what it's going to look like when you're going to get married. What are your intentions? What are your expectations? How do you guys want to manage your finances? What is right for you? How did your family used to do it? How did that work out for them? How is that going to work out for you? What is it? Are you a spender or a saver? There are a lot of conversations about money that aren't really about the money. It's about you and your relationship with money. And so having those conversations will make you realize whether the state's laws are right for you or do you want to take this opportunity to rewrite the state's laws for your own marriage and come up with your own rules. And so this is just an opportunity to have that discussion. And look, I, I understand there's certain people that say, oh, talking about money and prenups, it's it's not romantic. 
But at the end of the day, again, you're going to have these laws put in place. Marriage is, I hate to say this, but a lot of times marriage isn't romantic. There are a lot of practical situations where you have to talk about real concepts, real things, especially money. If you can't talk about money before you're going to get married, you're going to have a really hard time talking about it while you're married. And so having these conversations before you get married sets you both up for success because you're exercising those muscles on how you're going to talk about money, what money means to each of you coming from a place of understanding rather than contention and defensiveness. And you're able to really talk through these issues and find out if you're really right for each other. And, and I don't think there's anything more romantic than that. Right. Is, is building that trust and that intimacy about money, because that's going to play a huge role in your married life. And for people that are afraid that they're, marriage is going that their their engagement would be called off or they're not going to get married if they bring it up well isn't that a good thing i tell people talking about a prenup is a win-win situation you either have the conversations about money and what the laws are in your state and whether you want those laws to apply to you or not and come up with your own and you end up on the same page and you come up with an beautiful plan of what your life is going to look like together because you're on the same page. Fantastic. And if you have these conversations and you realize, oh no, this person loves to just spend all their money or this person doesn't want to share any of their money or this person doesn't have any expectation to buy a house or do things or whatever it may be, you're learning about the person you're potentially choosing to spend the rest of your life with. And if And if that's not right for you, and if that's not the person you want to marry, then you shouldn't be marrying them. And that's a win-win situation because you're going to be calling a relationship off on one of the biggest points of your life before you go into marriage and succumb to the state's laws of what divorce will look like. And so I think it's it's really a win-win situation. Yeah, I, I think that also one of the things I tell people is that avoiding the conversation doesn't prevent divorce. I think that's that kind of you know your mindset is like, well, if I just don't talk about it, then like, you know, we'll you know we'll be everything will just be be just fine. That's just not right. true. I mean, I, I make and, an argument that, and I'm sure you you feel the same way that not talking about it is almost like a fast track to you know to the demise of your relationship eventually. Well, I think the thing is that if you don't talk about it doesn't mean that you're never going to talk about it. It's going to come up at some point. It's going to come up. How much money do you make? Where, how are we going to pay living expenses? What can we afford for a house? Can we afford private school? These are things you're going to talk about at some point during your marriage. And it's not something, oh, we'll just figure it out later. Well, why? Why would, why do you want to just figure it out later? Don't you want to take care of it now? You know, and and one part of it is also just maintaining a relationship, is having these ongoing discussions. It's mm-hmm. taking care of that relationship. And the thing is that a prenup is a is a living document. It can always be modified. It can always be changed. And so when you when you have that discussion and you have that agreement from the start. You're able to build off of that and have an understanding of what your life is going to look like and really move forward together with that. 
And then if circumstances change and, and things aren't looking right, yeah, you can always change it. You can always modify it. But it really sets that that bottom line default position of this is what our lives are going to look like. And this is what we've talked about. And this is what we're going to do. Yeah, and I think that one of the things that people, one of the reasons why people skip out on that conversation or try to is uh, there's this perception that the person who has less in the relationship is the one who loses out with the, with the prenup. Uh, is there any truth to that? Or, you know, uh, and, and let me, uh, there's one caveat I want to add to that. There's also this perception that the person who has less ends up with nothing if the, if, if there's a prenup in place. And that's something that I found to be false. That as, as a matter of fact, a lot of prenups from what I understand are actually written in a way where it's kind of tiered. where I know Michael Jordan has one that's written like this, where, you know, if they were to split up after the first year, there's a certain amount that uh, that would be allotted to his um, significant other. Uh, sure. And then it's in tier. And, and so after year 10, you know, there's a different type of payout and obviously it goes up from there. Uh, is that the, is that more common or is it more common for the person to end up basically with nothing or what, what's been your experience with that? So the, the first thing I have to say is that every prenup is different. Every single prenup is different. And that's because couples decide to come up with the laws of their own marriage based on their relationship and what their expectations are of that marriage. And so it changes. Every prenup is totally, totally different. Uh, that being said, in my experience and in the prenups that I do, uh, I'm dealing a lot of times with couples that are both have that both have their own significant careers that are both working towards something and they are just trying to plan for what marriage may look like with or without kids and whether someone's going to continue working or not or if they have business partners or if they're in real estate and what that looks like but to answer your question i think that when we're dealing with couples like this a lot of times when a couple when somebody wants to say look I've built all of this prior to marriage because, again, people are getting married later in life. It's not like back in the old days where you have a f an older man marrying a much younger woman with nothing and they're like, oh, I want to just save everything for myself. That's not <laughs> what we're working with these days. You have couples that are both working. And so when somebody is sacrificing something for the for the family, like sacrificing their career to raise children or take care of a home – there needs to be some kind of compensation in some way for that. And so a lot of the prenups that I do, absolutely they provide for that. They provide for some kind of compensation, some kind of payment in the event of divorce or even during marriage to make sure mm -hmm. that someone is comfortable with that decision because they know that whatever decision they're making, it's for the family. It may not just be for themselves. And at the end of the day, if you're getting divorced and your prenup says you get absolutely nothing and your spouse is walking away with millions, chances are it's going to not be valid. It's not a fair prenuptial agreement. And most prenups need to be fair in some way. They need to provide for some form of consideration for the waivers of community property or spousal support and things like that. So absolutely, there are payments that are put in place to even the playing field. And and to go back to, I mean, what you said was like, it's a myth that prenups only protect the wealthier spouse. That's, mm -hmm. it is a myth because that's the whole point of prenups is okay. 
that's what you, you're the wealthier spouse. This is what you want. Well, if I'm marrying you and I'm sacrificing certain things or you have certain expectations of me, then this is what I need to feel comfortable in this relationship. Mm -hmm. And they protect the other person as well. Um, And if it doesn't, and if the other person says, no, I don't want to provide you that protection, well, we go back to what we just talked about. Well, maybe that marriage is not right for you. Raymond, thank you very much. This has been absolutely amazing. You are a wealth of knowledge when it comes to divorce, when it comes to mediation, when it comes to consulting and with prenups. Uh, This has been absolutely amazing. Uh, tell people where they can find you at, where, where you practice at. I know you, obviously you're out in California, but uh, where can they find you at if they want to work with you, if they want to learn a little bit, a little bit more about you or support you in any way? Sure. So you can find out uh, more about prenups and divorce on my website, heckmatfamilylaw.com. There's a wealth of blog posts of regarding divorce and prenups in California law, um, as well as some other states as well. Uh, I'm also on Instagram as Heckmat Family Law and TikTok. I'm the prenup guy. So you can find me there. Uh, and I regularly post about prenups and the legal side of marriage and relationships. Awesome. So if you are watching this, whether you are watching this on YouTube or if you are listening to this on uh, the podcast, uh, you can also go down into the description. All of his information will be down in the description box down below his website, all of his, uh, all of his social media handles as well. And make sure that you guys also comment, uh, down below something that you may be a takeaway or something that you have learned from today. And also make sure that you go to, uh, the prenup guy and make sure you guys send him some love, let him know that you, that you heard him, heard about him, you know, on the podcast and, uh, support his pages and that sort of thing, especially in particular, if you're out in California, share it out to uh, your loved ones and people who might be going through the, going through these types of situations who might need to hear this uh, in particular, especially people who are dating. I always tell people who are dating and who are single. I mean, we're going to be heading into, depending on when you're listening to this, we're <laughs> going to be heading into, you know, Valentine's day is right around the corner. So I know a lot of people are going to be looking to get back into relationships again, possibly after divorce and that sort of thing. And you want to protect yourself. You don't want to end up in, in, a, in a bad situation if you were one in, in, in one before. And so um, make sure that you guys share this out to people who are looking to get back out into the dating scene again and getting back out into uh, and getting into another relationship. So with all that being said, thank you very much. This is the Matt Pfeiffer Experience. And today we had on uh, Raymond Heckmat from uh, Beverly Hills, California. With all that being said, thank you very much. And we will see you you again in the next episode. Thanks, man. Appreciate it.